This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. This is Less Than Live with Cater Die, a bi-weekly podcast about comics from all angles. I'm going to talk to you about what I'm reading and doing in the industry, as well as interviewing some of my friends and favorite creators. So come along with me on this journey into geek culture. On today's show, comics, traveling, the emoting powers of Matt Fraction, and a very special interview with the creative team behind the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Well, hi, guys. Uh, We're back. We're doing a podcast a week after we gave you a podcast because I went away for so long to enjoy the sun. Um... I told you last time about what was coming out that that I'm doing, um, but uh, yeah, Bravest Warriors number 29 is out this month, and Edward Scissorhands number four. That's about it. Fraggle Rock's done, and we're just waiting on the book collection, which I believe is in March. I believe it's out in time for Emerald City Comic Con, but these things are never 100%, so, you know, don't take my word for it. Um it's an exciting time for that, uh, but also online, um, and I did not mention this last episode, although it is true, I'm now doing comics once a month for The Nib, which is a subset of a website called the uh, called Medium, not The Medium, I guess just Medium, not like a person who can read or has ESP, um, <laughs> but The Nib is a collection of uh, comics by different cartoonists. Uh, they often feature artists like Rich Stevens, Erica Moen, and John Rosenberg. And they have added me to their roster, which is very exciting. So at least once a month, on top of the two comics a month, at least, that you get from Comics Alliance, you can get Cater Die at The Nib. And I believe that is medium.com slash The Nib, or just Nib. Google it. You can... I believe in you. Uh, so that's an exciting time, and, and that's fun, you know, having web comics on top of everything else. Um... I, uh, I'm, I'm going to a couple of conventions in the next little while. I, I, you know, it it was Christmas time and I got to actually just hang out either here in the whole horrible, uh, cold in Canada or I was in California, but I'm going to some shows. So, uh, let's talk about them. So on this week, the uh, the exciting Valentine's week, if you're reading it as it uh, arrives, first of all, happy Valentine's Day. I love you. You're beautiful. Uh, but secondly, I am gearing up uh, to restart convention season. I'm not going to anywhere near as many shows this year as I was last year because uh, whether you consider it fortunate or unfortunate, I got an American boyfriend and uh, it's really great. <laughs> so I keep going there to see him instead of flying to a different convention every other weekend and driving myself crazy and never sleeping or getting anything done. But it's not to say that I've become a hermit. I'm still doing things. I am one of the headlining guests, uh, although that sounds very egotistical, it's just literally true, at Staple Expo in Austin. And that is going to be happening on March 7th and 8th. I'm going to be there alongside other guests I absolutely love. I'm so excited for the show because it's an all-female headlined con. And they're not really going about it going, yeah, it's just women. It's just like it's what they did, which is really cool. Um 
But it is myself, Jess Fink, Janelle Aslan, and Babs Tarr. And Jess Fink is an amazing cartoonist. She does a comic called Chester 5000, which is an erotic, robotic Victorian romance. Uh, Babs Tarr is the current artist on Batgirl. We've talked to her on the show before, and she is a joy. And Janelle Aslan is currently uh, one of the two people in charge of Comics Alliance. Her and Andrew Wheeler recently took over from uh, Andy Curry, a longtime friend of mine, and she's running that now. She does a million other things. Janelle has been in the business a long time, and she is a take-no-prisoners badass. So the four of us are headliners at Staple. You can find us there um, at the Marchesa Hall and Theater uh, on, yeah, March 7th and 8th. I'll have my booth babe with me. (laughs) And I'm very, very excited about that. Um, Coming up later in March, I'm also going to be at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle, which is one of my favorite shows on the planet. I went last year for the first time. Absolutely loved it. The thing is kind of on the scale of a New York Comic Con or almost to San Diego, but it's run by an amazing group of people. And they were one of the first conventions to spearhead the cosplay is not consent movement, uh, basically meaning that you treat cosplayers and other people in costume with respect. Don't be creepy to them. Don't take pictures of them while they're eating. Don't say gross, sexist things to them. (laughs) So uh, Emerald City, it's an amazing show. And last year, almost the entire crew behind Welcome to Night Vale were there. You know, I was there with Boom. All the my people from Topatico were there. And I think this year is kind of going to be no different. There are a bunch of panels that I'm on. At the time of recording this, I wasn't 100% allowed to talk about them, but guaranteed they're going to be on the website. It's emeraldcitycomiccon.com. And uh, you can see all the things I'm going to be doing. There are at least I'm on at least four panels, and they're going to be really cool. Uh, I'm going to be tabled with Zapatico on the Sky Bridge, which is in the beautiful natural light section of the convention center. And I'm going to have tons of stuff. And even if I don't have uh, Adventure Time books, they're literally right across from me. So if you want to go buy one, you can bring it over and I'll sign it. Um, And again, my booth babe's going to be there with my cute boyfriend. He's the best. (laughs) I'm really excited for these shows. And I've got uh, a couple more coming up in April and uh, then further into the fall than nothing really planned for summer yet but we'll get to those on future shows con season is happening oh god oh god Now, we mentioned it more than once on this episode, but uh, we're recording a little bit in advance of when we're putting this guy out. This guy being the episode. Um, probably shouldn't gender it, especially since I'm a lady, but hey, whatever. Uh, so uh, I might be a little bit behind on my recommendations, but I'm a little bit behind on my reading. So whatever. Here are some things you should be reading. <laughs> um, Squirrel Girl number two. Obviously, we talked to Ryan and Erica in this episode, but damn, it's an amazing series. It's so fun. It's so silly. It's just great. I mean, Squirrel Girl, Doreen Green. She's a college student who also happens to have all of the powers of a squirrel. And you should check it out. <laughs> Ryan and Eric, I'll tell more about it later. But, uh, oh, my gosh. I just love it. I just It's so silly and so fun. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, uh, Witches Number 4 was out from Scott Snyder, Jock, and Matt Hollingsworth, which is the continuation of this creepy rural noir witch story that they're doing and... Oh, the twists and turns in this thing. It's, you know, since Lock and Key, there hasn't really been a comic that's had me kind of gasping and un- uncomfortable and a little bit freaked out at the end of an issue. And Witches really does it for me. It's 
incredible. I love Scott Snyder when he does Batman, but there is nothing better than his pure horror stuff. And it is super great. So check out Witches. I would not be surprised if a $10 image trade paperback was on its way out soon, but you can get the first four issues for relatively cheap. And they're definitely, definitely worth it. Lady Killer number one and two are both out. And this is one that I picked up late, but so many people listening to the show or friends of mine recommended it to me. And it's pretty neat. I mean, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Lady Killer is by Joelle Jones, Jamie S. Rich, and colored by the inimitable Laura Allred. Uh, it is a story. It's a it's a period piece. Seems to be very, you know, 60s-ish, stylish um, about a woman who is a contract killer. She's a hit woman, basically, under the guise of being an Avon lady. And uh, it's very interesting take on that sort of suburban uh, retro lifestyle mixed with murder. <laughs> it, it was a concept that I I heard about it and went, yeah, okay, that could work. But um, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous and uh, really fun. So two issues of that are out. Definitely check it out. Um, it's, I like lady villains. I like ladies getting it. I like ladies in action. What can I say? On that note, Velvet number nine is out. And uh, if you haven't read it yet, I don't even know. I mean, I recommend it every time. It's so good. Um, of everything Ed Brubaker's doing and everything Ed Brubaker does is amazing. You know that. I know that. But Velvet is just this like <laughs> completely other level thing that I, I never feel gets the attention or respect that it deserves. And I mean, I know people are reading it, but it is so good. And Velvet, again, is a story about a woman uh, who is working in uh, an agency much like James Bond would have been a Secret Service kind of thing and gets framed for the murder of someone else involved in her agency. And she's been out of the game for a while. She's in her 40s and is basically forced back into becoming a spy and uh, running all these routes and traveling all over the world and rekindling old contacts and things like that and, and revisiting her past. Steve Epting is drawing this one and it's colored by Betty Brightweiser, who is amazing and it's just such a great story. In the latest issue, she uh, meets up with someone who was involved in her agency a very, very long time ago and was sent to uh, an insane asylum of sorts. And she has to break him out because she believes he might be the only person who has been out of the game long enough that he couldn't possibly be part of setting her up. So it's cool and it's weird and it's dangerous. And Steve Epstein draws such beautiful women. And I can't help constantly comparing the main character, Velvet Templeton, Templesmith, Templeton, um, to Stacy from What Not to Wear, because they look very similar, especially with the white streak in her hair. But, you know, if, you know, the the host of What Not to Wear was a, a cool super spy. So definitely check that out. If you're interested in comics that haven't come out in about six months, uh, Hawkeye, (laughs) <laughs> came out with a new issue to the surprise of, I think, a lot of people. Uh, finally, I love Hawkeye. I love that series. I'm really sad that it sort of petered out and ended. Um, Matt Fraction is, again, one of my favorite writers. I, I love how real his shit gets. Is There's really no other way to say it. Um, he touches on, you know, <sighs> vulnerability and, and, and depression and, and honesty in even his superhero comics in a way that just other people don't. I mean, it makes you feel like other comics, you're watching a scripted show, whereas Fraction's comics are a bit like 
eavesdropping. It's a bit voyeuristic because it feels so real. And even in Hawkeye, it's that way. And if you read this issue and if you read the series, you'll know what I'm talking about, even especially towards the end. So Hawkeye is wonderful. I guess they've got one issue left and then it's moving on to a new creative team. Jeff Lemire is involved. So it's, I mean, it's still, I think, going to be great. But Fractions Run uh, definitely holds a special place in my heart. Last but not least, Miss Marvel came out. Um, so many issues that you that you can catch up now. There's a trade. <laughs> and that's G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alfona, and Ian Herring is coloring that. Um, just just continues to be really awesome. This one kind of wraps up the story of the inventor, this villain that she's been facing against. And uh, it's really cool. I mean, there's a lot of – I really enjoy the moral of this story um, that – People shouldn't give up on this generation just because they're sort of technology obsessed and everyone's staring at their phones and people are really quick to write off you know, youth <laughs> for getting involved in things like that and for caring about social media, but that, you know, we're people and we can make a difference. And it's it's moral heavy, but I think that works for the comic. And I really love the art and I really love what Kamala means to a lot of people. And I think, you know, having a Muslim superhero in, in the Marvel world is so important and opens a lot of doors for them to continue diversifying. And I hope that they do, um, not just Marvel, but everybody. So these are all amazing comics. You should read them all. Um, let's move on. Kate's having a contest and you might win Lots of great prizes for you and your kid Why don't you enter? You never know, you just might win, 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 win The Great Kate Comic Contest! So we did a contest here at Less Than Live where we asked you, the audience, people in general, to send us pictures, uh, selfies particularly, of you listening to Less Than Live. And we got more more responses <laughs> than I was even expecting. So that was really, really cool. Um, and before we get to the people that, that did win, which was an incredibly hard choice, believe me, uh, I just want to say thank you so much. We got so many cool and interesting and creative and some completely terrifying uh, submissions for this contest. We're definitely going to be doing more. So if you didn't win this time, don't worry about it. Uh, more things will come along and there will be more ways to participate and interact with the show. But uh, we can get we can get to the winners. So we have a tie. Um, had I had my way, there would have been nine or ten winners at the very least. But we managed to boil it down, although we could not pick between... Naomi Wagner and Greg Thielen. I'm sorry if I'm saying your names wrong, guys. Um, neither of you were a John Smith. Sorry. <laughs> uh, both Naomi and Greg sent absolutely adorable photos. Naomi sent us one wearing a Harry Potter shirt, taking an awesome selfie uh, with a really, really cool illustrated sign that she had made. And Greg sent us the creepiest set of images uh, of him with uh, my my weird icon face photoshopped on top of him. But it was it was very charming. Um, so many of you, again, just sent so much great stuff. But Greg and Naomi will be getting in contact with you about... Uh, uh, doing your special interviews, whether on the air or off, and your prize packs. Uh, everybody else, again, thank you so much for participating. We'll do lots more. She's so sweet. Caleb is gonna answer your tweets. Mm. At Gin and Teacups 93, who goes by the simple name of just D, 
period, uh, on Twitter wants to know, in a Battle Royale-style scenario of all of your favorite comic creators, who would win? So I'm assuming this means that uh, a large number of comic creators are trapped together uh, on an island, um, and only one of them can live and escape from the island. Uh, In which case, I'm probably going to have to say that Chip or Kelly Sue would take it. Uh, Chip, I think, would would charm everybody. Um, And Chip Zdarsky, of course, is who I'm speaking of. Uh, I I feel that he would charm everyone enough that they would side with him uh, up until a point that he would just be the only guy left standing because no one would want to who would kill Chip? Nobody would kill Chip. Um, and Kelly Sue uh, is incredibly brutal, also small. So I feel like she would have the advantage of being able to to hide. Um, although the bright hair, she's like flaming red hair might give her away. These are the first two things that came to mind. I mean, it, I, I don't really know. I don't know a lot of comic creators who are really uh, brutal or very into like martial arts. So I got, I feel like Chip would be the last man standing. Tom Spielman, who is at Tom Tificate, is that like certificate? Tom, 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 something. Okay, uh, Tom wants to know uh, how do you get into the mindset for writing each of your series since they're so different. Um, and this is actually a pretty simple process. Uh, every time that I have to watch, um, or every time that I have to write Edward Scissorhands, I watch at least part of the movie. Uh, I skip around to different scenes, kind of pick and choose the tone that I'm going for, and we'll rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. And I'm, I can almost recite <laughs> the movie word for word at this point. And it's the same thing with Bravest Warriors, where I will go and watch a couple of episodes just to get in the the head of the characters, in the, in the voice, I guess. Because, you know, the one thing that really bothers me when you read a comic of a, a license property, especially something where it's off of a cartoon or a movie where, unlike a comic, um, that character does have a very specific voice. I mean, there's a cartoon voice in a way that they talk and a cadence to their voice. So when I'm reading something based off of a cartoon that someone has written and it doesn't, you can, you know, you can tell when something sounds like a phrase that a character would really say. So I really want to get that right. And I really want to be in a character's voice. So it, yeah, it's mostly about going back and, and rewatching. I think if something was based off of a written property it would be about going back and rereading it sounds really basic but it helps it helps a lot i mean i I remember one time i talked about how i had been marathoning bob's burgers and i tried to write edward scissorhands and i kept writing everyone like linda belcher and i had to go when i went and and rewatched some of the movie and went back you know realizing that um that's not how any of the characters really talk so it's important Malt Schlitzmus, uh, and I hope that I'm not pronouncing that wrong. Um, it may be an alias. I'm not sure. Asks me, what are the most absurd build your portfolio by working for free requests y'all have ever had? Now, I'm going to assume that this question was for everyone on the interview, but I'm answering it myself. And uh, y'all is just going to be me. So personally, I've definitely gotten more than a few, um, especially when I was starting out. I think I definitely don't get anywhere near as much of them now. I get a lot of like, oh, we can't pay you much, (laughs) but work for us. Although I definitely, when I was starting, got a lot of, um, oh, I want to write this cartoon, you know, or I want to write this comic. Would you draw it for free? Um, I've had a lot of people ask me to submit to contests or other things where, you know, it's so draw an illustration for this or a page for this and it might be featured in this a lot of companies will do that um where they will have contests where you might 
you can design a poster for something and if you win they use your poster and you get a little prize and I'm kind of really against those things because you're basically getting free design work uh, from people who are too young or inexperienced to know any better. Uh, and I, I, I really that stuff kind of squicks me out. Um, in general, I think if anyone ever asks you to do your chosen profession and something that you paid to learn or, or spent years studying or have spent years practicing and, and developing, uh, that's just, that's not cool. Nobody should do that. I would not ask someone to fix, fix my kitchen sink for free because, you know, it's something that I can't do. Anyway, um, I don't think there's any one particular thing that's been super bizarre, although I am always surprised by people who will come up to me at tables at conventions and be like, oh, are you doing sketches? And I'll say, well, you know, it's this amount of money for me to do you know, an, an ink drawing for you or for kids, I will do real quick sketches for free. Or, you know, even if you're just like <laughs> a nice person or whatever, you know, you catch me and I'm not exhausted. I will, yeah, draw a little something. I'm not like a horrible person. But um, I've had people ask me to do, you know, fully inked and colored drawings at shows. And then when I tell them the cost of it, they're just like, why would you charge money for that? It's just a sketch. Like, as, as if that's not um, a totally legitimate thing, <laughs> as if it's not an illustration that takes time and effort. And I think a lot of people don't know, and I think it definitely a lot of the time it does not come from a place of malice. It's it's just, you know, a, a lack of, of knowledge of how these things work. And I try and tell people, you know, and I try and explain it very nicely, but um, I definitely have had people come up and, and be a little bit uh, rude about that. So... Sometimes if you ever catch me at a convention and I'm a little bit off, that has probably just happened. So mostly, yeah, mostly I've been pretty lucky. But um, if you're a person out there ever asking an artist or a writer to work with you, don't don't tell them to do it for free. That's not that's not cool. In case you haven't heard, Less Than Life has launched a Patreon. If you want to know what that is, good news, I'm going to tell you. A Patreon is a monthly subscription service or uh, kind of a crowdfunding platform where if you like this show, you can support it financially with money, uh, which is really great because this show is costs a little bit of money to make. Uh, it's, you know, it, we do it in a real recording studio and the guys here make those amazing songs. And everything that I'm saying right now, you can watch me say better and with video on uh, the actual Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash less than live. And there you can find out what it's all about. So pretty much you can choose an amount of money, if you're interested, uh, to pledge to us monthly. And for those specific amounts of money at different levels and different amounts, you will get different rewards. Um, you can get a voicemail message from me. You can subscribe to get a biannual package of goodies and swag. Uh, you can have advanced access to what guests we're going to have on the show, uh, to ask questions. And these things are going to change and develop as we go along and we're going to invent new things. And I just really want to make it kind of a cool interactive behind the scenes experience and, uh, to show, you know, people who, who do subscribe and who do support the show a little bit extra and, uh, and, you know, get you all involved. So you can check that out again at patreon.com. That's patron with an E in it, uh, slash less than live and, uh, donate a little bit of money if, if you want. 
that'd be cool. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. She's gonna ask questions. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. This is the interview section. All right. So this week we're talking to two people yet again. Uh, one of them is not my mom. Um, not that that's a disappointment because both of these people are very exciting. Uh, the team behind the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, the new series from Marvel. Uh, here we have Ryan North, who also uh, does dinosaur comics, did uh, the first 35 issues of Adventure Time, ha- works on any number of <laughs> things, uh, to be or not to be, which is a choose your own version, choose your own adventure version of Hamlet, uh, which has just become a game. Erica Henderson has done a whole bunch of different art online, someone that I've been following for a really long time and is the artist on the series, uh, worked on a comic called Subatomic Party Girls. And they're both here. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, welcome welcome to my podcast. Thank you for you're, having us. You're welcome. Great to be here. <laughs> um, so I just read uh, Squirrel Girl number two today, and um, I, I love it so much. I'm very, I'm very happy that that this exists. I'm glad you like it, and this isn't like an ambush interview. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be great if I just brought you on to go? So, oh guys, God. Squirrel Girl, what happened? What happened? <laughs> what went wrong? How did you get this job? Uh, but no, it's it's really exciting. Um, how long ago did you guys know that you were going to start working on this? Oh man, uh, I got the first email about it in august but i actually the first email is like hey we may or may not be doing a squirrel girl book we don't know if they're gonna let us do this if you want to do a drawing of squirrel girl that'd be cool (laughs) and so i sort of knew since august and then like three weeks after that that was the beginning of august like three weeks after that there was um no that was late june but anyway in like late august suddenly everyone was saying like oh Marvel's trademarked Squirrel Girls. Give me a movie. And I was like, oh, I think I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And then, yeah, sometime after that, actually, I think Ryan emailed me first because we didn't know each other and we didn't know who was going to be on the team. <laughs> and that's... he was like, hey, I guess we're doing this book. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind that... of like a dream team because I remember when I saw the announcement, I found out on Tumblr and when I saw it, it was this perfect moment of just like, oh my God, I'm so excited that exists. And like, God, I wish I was doing that as well, which I think was the same thing for a lot of people. It's just like, it's so weird for Marvel. That you was know? actually my experience with it where uh, they asked me to send in, like, if you were going to write a Squirrel Girl comic, what would it look like? So I took the weekend and wrote a pitch for it. And when the first email me, I was like, ah, Squirrel Girl, I don't know. I don't know about Squirrel Girl. That might be crazy mm-hmm. and then after i spent the weekend thinking about her i, I ended up thinking i definitely want there to be a squirrel girl comic and i definitely want to be the guy writing it <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome yeah yeah i think i had a a similar reaction at first where i was like huh squirrel girl okay but i was also <laughs> in a place where i wasn't going to turn down marvel asking me to do a book no god no. but then after i thought about it for a bit i was like i'm so on board with this yeah well, it's really great. I mean, I think it's totally one of those things where 
I don't think this comic could have existed before the world of Miss Marvel. I mean, they've sort of now they've got um, this audience for younger women reading it and they're kind of taking a little bit more of a risk uh, in terms of those characters. Like, I, I can't see them having done Squirrel Girl four years ago, you know, maybe in the 90s. <laughs> but it's it's maybe really in the 90s. Yeah. It would have been a totally different book. It, it would have oh, such a, been so different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really cool and it's kind of paved the way and, and it gets me really excited because I think now that that sort of poses the possibility to do so many more weird comics. <laughs> and I mean, it is weird. I don't like weird obviously is not a negative thing, but I mean weird in that it is so much different than the rest of the Marvel books. Um, on that, like how tied into continuity are you guys? It's funny. I read, um, there's a scholarly essay you can look up and I believe it's called it's something called very similar to uh, that can't possibly be in continuity squirrel girl and the problem of female power representation in comics oh no <laughs> so i read this yeah it's really good and well it talks Wait, about the argument how long, the, how long ago was this uh it was before we launched i think oh, it was okay. last year but one of the arguments it makes is that uh squirrel girl the more powerful she gets the more she shifted out of the standard marvel universe and into this fourth wall breaking you know talk about the contents of the comic thing which is fun and interesting but the argument was it serves to shunt her into this sort of parallel mode of existence where her power doesn't really affect the real universe and she didn't really be ducting and that sort of stuff. Oh, and I read that and I was like, huh, interesting. Well, it's weird so, because, like, that's Deadpool's thing and he's clearly in the 616, so I don't see why her being in this position would change where she exists. What's the 616? Uh, the, the mainstream Marvel universe. Oh, see. Yeah, there's like a thousand dimensions, and that's the regular one. Oh, see? I'm so outside of this and we're, we're in a Marvel universe right now. The real universe has a number two, but I forget what number it is. It's not number one either. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Um. Well, yeah, because, it, I mean, it totally... It's just... It's so crazy to me that that it it is... And it, it's done so well. I mean, the I don't know, obviously, in terms of numbers and things like that, but from my end, just like the critical response to it and people are so into it. And that must be really exciting because you guys, obviously, it was probably kind of a risk <laughs> trying this yeah, crazy it, new thing. It was really gratifying. Um, and you, you, the, the first letter column talks about, you know, I hope this book can find an audience because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's different and weird. And uh, it's, I think... Being having like preview panels online helped a lot, and to be like, this is a book about Squirrel Girl, and this is the kind of book that it is helped a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm glad people are reading it. <laughs> really glad people are reading it. Yeah, I think we were all worried, pretty worried <laughs> before it came out. Um, and yeah, the reception's been great, and the first issue has a second printing now, so that's, that's awesome. awesome. It's so awesome. It's so great. I mean, it was. It was something that, I mean, I was obviously super excited for, you know, Ryan, this is kind of, this is your first, like, Marvel ongoing series? Marvel series? Yeah, I did that miniseries for Original Sins. <laughs> yeah, with Young Avengers. Five or six issues, yeah. And they let you bring the alt text at the bottom of the panels over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I think is so cool and crazy. Yeah, I didn't get any pushback on that at all, that's which was so, great. That's like, so yeah, awesome. That. It's It's been pretty easy working with them i think it's partly because we're a weird book mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely a book that's about 
the team. So if we want to do stuff, as long as, you know, it's not illegal, like <laughs> NFL Super Pro, <laughs> um, that there hasn't been a lot of pushback. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Know Super Pro was. And then I started reading about Super Pro and I really wanted to put Super Pro in, but we can't. Oh. <laughs> I had a I had a Wonder Woman joke in Bravest Warriors that they were just kind of like I don't think we can I don't think we can do this, um, <laughs> but I think I mean there is kind of the the benefit of being one of those sort of I don't want to say fringe but it's not like the Avengers where you're so beholden to the movie universe that everything has to be you know they're going over every line of every page and there must there's that's got to be kind of freeing. Yeah, I actually didn't answer your question about what universe it takes place in the the actual six one six Marvel universe, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember emailing Will, and I guess this is a small spoiler, but Galactus shows up in the first issue. <laughs> yes. And I emailed Will, and I was like, you know, this is my first time writing in a shared universe like this. Uh, how often, how much do I have to address the question of, you know, why doesn't Spider-Man show up and deal with this? Why doesn't the Fantastic Four appear to help out with this situation? And he was like, well, you know, it's it's not really something you should worry about. It, it's fine. Like, don't stress it too much. And I was like, yeah, but I got Galactus showing up. <laughs> There's be a lot of people wondering why Galactus is here. So uh, that that's the origin of the gag in the second issue where uh, Tippy Toe says, you know, he's got a stealth field around his ship. No one can see it, but he forgot about the squirrels, and that's why we can see it. I thought that <laughs> was really great. forgot about squirrels. I really enjoyed all the, the squirrels. It's like the squirrels have been in the observatories watching. <laughs> I like the idea that that's just always happening. Yeah, they're always watching. Um, so I know it's a pretty standard question, but uh, a guy named Zane on our Patreon asked what it's like going from webcomic to working on a project as big as Marvel. Now, Ryan, I know that you, I mean, you were working on Adventure Time, which is the same, I mean, a, a licensed property, like a someone else's character sort of thing. But I guess what's the difference in terms of working with Marvel for both of you? Hmm. It's like a really standard interview interview question. I don't usually do that, but let's go with it. I don't. I feel like I have been really lucky doing this thing because you hear horror stories where like the editors have their own idea and they're gonna like tear apart all your stuff, and it's really hard to work within these constraints. But both at Boom and at Marvel, it's been great. Where nobody really says no <laughs> to our crazy <laughs> ideas, and so it's it feels like writing your own book that happens to be published by Marvel and happens to have this great distribution. And I was thinking today, like Squirrel Girl's 20 pages, if it were a webcomic, you do it Monday, Friday, that's 20 pages a month. Mm-hmm. So it, you could think of it as like a webcomic that we do a page a day on, hmm. but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to wait several months uh, before anyone can read it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that, that's the, that's the killer. That's the killer right there. Yeah. That's the thing that has driven me the most crazy, I think, is writing something and then realizing nobody's going to read it until five (laughs) months later. Yeah, and then when five months later comes around, you're already, you're excited about the book that you've written five months ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was one, like when we were at TCAF last year, um, I wrote a bunch of these inside jokes. And and this was super early on into Bravest Warriors and super early on into me doing any kind of sequential stuff. But I wrote these inside jokes that uh, Sarah and Tom McHenry said at uh, breakfast one day and I was like all excited I'm like ah this is so funny when they read it and it was like five months later and it wasn't funny anymore <laughs> we all learned a valuable lesson yes I feel I like I, I have it. that issue 
when the comics come out because like I'll really love it when I first get the script and I'm working on it. And then like I'll have read it so many times and looked at it so many ways by the time it comes out. I'm excited by the, like the script that's going to be out three months from now. And I'm like, oh, I hope people like this issue that's out. <laughs> <laughs> like I still like it, but like I've been so inundated in it that's like, oh, is this is this still as good as I thought it was? I don't remember. <laughs> But the next one's going to be even better, you guys. It's going to be so good. <laughs> now, I looked at a couple. I've seen a couple older Squirrel Girl comics. Um, but did you guys make the decision to have her have, like, squirrel chipmunk teeth? Like, did she? Because most of the images that I see, she doesn't have the two. This is just the thing that I'm personally curious about. She's always had them. And I think... Um... I feel like in her first appearance and in Great Lakes Avengers, she had them showing all the time. Okay. I think it was more so in when uh, Mike Diodato was drawing her, mm-hmm. and she wound up just looking more, like, traditionally sexy, mm-hmm. that he hid her teeth. Like, they were still there, but they weren't sticking out. Right. Yeah, because it's sort of on and off. It's just it's a thing that I really like about about the character. And I, I had often, I mean, I wonder a lot in these situations if they tell you to make a character traditionally sexy or things like that, or if it, there there is any pushback about that, or if they were like, no, nah, this is fun. <laughs> but yeah, there wasn't there wasn't any like I I did like a. Did you see the stuff on Project Rooftop that got posted? Like all those early sketches. I don't know if I have. Um, well, I think it's still on like their front page if you want to check it out right now. But like, I did all those, and I sent those in. And there was one that I did a little more polished, and they were just like, "Yeah, do that one." So it wasn't even me that selected it. <laughs> oh, cool! Oh, I mean, the, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen some of these before. They're so awesome. I so, love her little jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Um, so I mean, yeah, Erica, like this is. I'm I, I, a new thing, I guess, to to work for Marvel and do that kind of stuff. Are there any particular characters in the world that you like really, really would love to draw in Squirrel Girl? Other, I mean, Craven was amazing. Oh my god, I was so excited when Craven was the first bad guy. I was so excited. <laughs> no idea. He must be so fun to draw. Oh my god! I also like did not realize that nobody else apparently saw him as a sexy character. Oh, well, they're fools. People kept being like, oh, you're drawing Craven so sexy. And I was like, wait, is that not how it normally is? (laughs) (laughs) Have you not seen this hunk of man? Because I'm pretty sure he's just like a more buff Freddie Mercury, guys. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of what I always thought. I mean, he's got an animal prince. Yeah. (laughs) It was a a less than live alumni, Chip Zdarsky, Mm. who uh, suggested Craven for the first issue. Actually, I was talking to him about it. I was like, who should she fight the first issue? I'm not sure. And he was like, why not do Craven? (laughs) And I was like, why not do Craven? That's perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, but to actually answer your question, um, I think I'm mostly excited about Dazzler, She Hulk, and Hercules. Oh, man. Hercules. I know. I love Hercules. That would be crazy. I haven't put any of those in yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. But now we know. Um, Dazzler would be awesome. Like, issue five. Not, not like, not angry Dazzler like she is now. But like classic roller disco Dazzler. Yeah, that would be pretty great. I would like to see where she would fit in into that college world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like that too, where she is like a college aged 
character and kind of just like going to school. Um, and that's really awesome. I love her roommate. Big yes. fan. Big Fancy. fan. And the cat. I hope the cat gets lots of airtime. <laughs> Mew. 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 It's, it's Mew, Mew right? Mew. Based on two actual cats. I yeah. wrote Mew based on a cat I know, and Erica drew Mew based on a cat she knows. Tell me about those cats. The people want to know. <laughs> uh, Mew is, she hates men. <laughs> 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 this mean-spirited cat. Uh, my friend Lucy uh, found her on a bench in a park. This is poor kitten in a Tupperware container. Oh, my God. She was like, this is monstrous. She took the cat home and nursed it back to health. And it's a really lovely story. And they both sort of saved each other's lives in some very mm-hmm. meaningful and important ways. But she just hates men. <laughs> she just does not <laughs> like men at all. Or me. But, I, I mean, I, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, with mine, it's this cat, Ceci. Uh, my friend Izzy, her mom, like, they're they're Brazilian. Her mom's always in Brazil. And she found this, like tiny sick kitten in brazil and like got it all shots like papers to bring it back to the states oh my Um, god and it's like the world's tiniest little white cat with blue eyes and it's just it just has like constant angry i hate you face but you can kind (laughs) of do whatever you want with her like you can pick her up whatever she just doesn't care as long as you keep her warm right (laughs) <laughs> See, my mirror's the opposite, where she looks really nice and adorable, and you touch her, and it's like claws her out, and blood's flowing. Oh, <laughs> she's a scratcher? Is she more of a piercer? Like, oh, God. I used to she's live a with a cat, cat like that. That's <laughs> awful. Well, I'm glad to know that there was so much backstory. <laughs> I-, I sent Rico a photo of Ceci, actually. Wow. I was like, this is the cat, Rico. I couldn't just be like, it's white with blue eyes. I sent him a photo of this cat. Sometimes that's important. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's really awesome. I mean, you guys are sort of, uh, for me, a bit of a dream team. Like, I, I had you known each other before at all? No. no. Wow. I feel I feel bad about that, actually. <laughs> Why? Because we get along everybody. really well. And I'm like, this is a, I feel the, the, the absence of potential friendship in the past that could have been there. <laughs> if only we weren't ships in the night. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> now you're now you're making up for last time. Yeah. Well, I think for me it was one of those like I'm friends with both of these people. I enjoy both of their work quite a lot. And then paired, it was because I think I'd never seen you guys talking online or anything that it had never occurred to me. And I remember I think did I text Betty Fell and maybe and was just like, what? <laughs> How is this <laughs> happening? <laughs> How did I not know? And she's like, oh yeah. Because Betty knows everything. Well, well, she knows because she lives like two blocks from me. Yeah. So, like, I was literally just having coffee with her boyfriend, like, before the podcasts. <laughs> well, have you, you, she appears at some point in She's Squirrel an issue Girl. one. She's an they issue both one. are. Yep. Which is perfect. I would really love to see how many times Betty Fallon has appeared in a published comic <laughs> because she is the most popularly drawn, I think, individual. <laughs> no, Somni drew her into Daredevil as a reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in Batgirl. Yeah, like, I think she's actually in the same issue as me in Batgirl. We're both oh, like awesome. on the subway. Yeah, because Andy Curry's um, in that one too. Yeah, I think we were all on the subway together. <laughs> nice. That's um, awesome. I'm trying to remember who else put her in stuff. I can't remember. It's weird. I just I feel like all the time she's posting like, "Oh, I was in this," <laughs> uh, which is awesome. Um, and you live in that that crazy Somerville crew area with like every artist. Um, yeah, we've got got Betty and Jordan and Joe Canones, mm-hmm. Maris Wicks. Um, why am I blanking all of a sudden? Ming Doyle. 
Ming Doyle, yes. Mm-hmm. And Neil Cicerigo, mm-hmm. who's, you know, a different kind of artist, but still. The greatest. And then Emmy is, like, nearby. Yeah. I've still never seen Emmy when I've been in town there, but I'd like to. It's because she doesn't actually live in Somerville. She's, like, far away. Ryan, it's... you have to go visit this area because it's, like, every nice, amazing artist lives in this one city. Yeah, I didn't know about this, and I'm hearing those artists. <laughs> you got it. Go it's great. Like, hey, guys, it's me from the internet. Yep. I once went to a party at... Uh, Ming Doyle's and ate a lot of vodka gummy bears and got food poisoning. Um, <laughs> but you're not make a good impression at a party. That's <laughs> really, I really did. Um, but it is, it is the greatest cool little community. And Joe um, did a cover for Squirrel Girl, did he not? He or did. Issue two. Yeah, it's awesome. I just like it. It's just cool because you guys are all part of the same crew. That sounds great. I tell you my uh, my ultimate fantasy of yeah, Pal Mansion. Please. <laughs> ultimate fantasy of Powell Mansion is uh, similar to what Somerville sounds like, where we all live in a giant house, like an apartment building, but it's like a mansion. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and and we all live together as pals. <laughs> <laughs> That's the extent of the fantasy. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with fantasy, it falls apart when you look at it more closely, because it's like some people are better pals with some people than other people are pals with those people. And relationships always change, and moving out is such a dramatic thing, and how do we stop drama from happening in this utopian society we're building right but the idea okay. of pal mansion is i think something that is very important to me and <laughs> drives think, a lot of what i do i think it should happen i think yeah, you should make it happen good. well this sounds like pal city which is the next step up from pal mansion <laughs> pal. yeah we're, we're all like just far enough away that like if you need time by yourself you've got it yeah like pal villa i feel it'd be like a bunch of houses <laughs> but with like little coffee shops it's like the the better version of those libertarian cities that you find out in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great, Ryan. You can be mayor. <laughs> I don't. I don't want the responsibility. I want to be like number one pal. Oh well, Chip mayor. can be mayor because he ran for mayor once, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So he has his, experience uh, running for his mayor. Concession speech was amazing. I've he never heard it. I oh was. I don't think it was recorded, but it was at this bar, and uh, he didn't make a concession speech, so we read his victory speech. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about proving his dad that he wasn't a, to proving to his dad that he wasn't a screw up. <laughs> believe in yourself; you can do anything. Oh, I love it. Him was amazing. So much. Oh God, he's so good. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just wish I'd been there. Um. Now, somebody on Twitter, because we get questions through for the episode, people get curious, and a lot of them are from Cohen, Ryan. You saw. <laughs> you saw. Um, but somebody asked, Nick Bowen, asked, uh, what would be a perfect Squirrel Girl tattoo design? And while that is a question, I feel like we all know the answer here, which is the nuts about that booty thing. <laughs> <laughs> or otherwise, I feel like Tippy Toe. I'm really big into Tippy Toe. Um, I don't I but other than that, I, I'm not really sure. Um, and what did Cohen ask you? Where is he? That guy? Something. Oh, he wanted to know why you wouldn't admit that he was taller than you, Ryan. Because <laughs> he's not. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ryan, for the for the audience at home who might not be familiar with you because they are fools, um, how tall are you? I'm, uh, in what do you what's it called in the states? The system of measurement, imperial. Yeah, imperial. I'm six imperial. foot six and a half, or about uh, two meters tall. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> I'm. Ryan is literally a foot taller than me. Okay. Ryan is a foot taller than everyone. 
<laughs> I say I'm six foot six and a half because my dad's six six, and that gives me that little bit of an edge <laughs> over my father. So you come from a tall family. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. The thing is, I don't know. This is I don't know what sort of what this says about me. But my idea of tall is taller than me. So there's very few tall people that I've ever met. And my idea of short is shorter than me. And there's no <laughs> there's no gradient there. And so people say, oh, you know, how tall is Kate? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> She's not than, tall. Shorter than you. <laughs> but is, is she short or is she average? I don't know. So my idea of what women, their height is, honestly, I have to sort of compare them to where they are compared to my wife. <laughs> if I'm hugging them. So it's a very personal like, <laughs> experience to tell you if you're short or not. Well, I, I mean, I distinctly remember, I think the first time that I was ever, that I ever spent any time uh, with your, with, with your wife, Ryan, I what, remember being like, so what did you, I mean, what did you, how did you meet Ryan? And like, what did you think about him? And she just like looked at me and she's like, he was very tall. <laughs> 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 and she was very happy about that. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. She's like, he was very tall. Seals like, the deal. All right. <laughs> cool. Oh, I feel that. Um, uh, Shannon Waters wants to know, Ryan, if you are a human or a wizard man. Uh, <laughs> I think we can all agree that wizard is a a calling, not a race, so that I can be both. Oh, okay. Wait. But so, good but question, Shannon. It, isn't it a race depending on what... Okay, I'm going to get really nerdy now, but depending on which particular fandom you're looking at. Because, <laughs> um, like, with Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, they're, like, races, right? You can't just races like, in Harry Potter? It's sort of like, like the way a mutant's a race. You know, it's, like, the next uh, step of evolution. Because right. you're, like, you born 13, a wizard. You, yeah, well, you, yeah, you're, you're... Yeah, wizard is nature versus nurture. You can't become one. But you can be born to a wizarding family and not have powers, and then you're a squib, which yeah. is, like, the worst. Why do they never address that? I wish they would. I wish like That's we would get... really shitty. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, it's like unless you're born to a pure wizarding family, basically everybody looks down on you because if you come from muggles and you're born a wizard, you are a mudblood. And if you're born from wizards and you will become a muggle, you're a squib. So basically, unless you're a pure blood wizard, you have like a crappy made up uh, garbage name. Which is really sad. That sounds a lot like a racial epithet, too. It's like mudblood? Mudblood. It, it totally is. It yeah. totally is a racial epithet. Yeah, it is. It's really bad. It's super offensive. You're never supposed to say it in the Harry Potter world. I mean, I can say it because it's fiction. But um, <laughs> if I were at Hogwarts, I would get slapped. Probably. Hmm. Probably. I don't know. I've never been. Um, <laughs> I've, never, I've never checked it out. <laughs> um. So, uh, Ryan, I'm going to ask you uh, a thing quickly because I have you both here and I want to talk Squirrel Girl. But also, um, Ryan, you have you have a game that came out just like days ago. Yesterday, I think. Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Oh, I mean, this is this is going up a couple days after we record it. But, just uh, a few days ago. Just I mean. a few days ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't even Wednesday, think about it when I said February 4th, I believe. There you go. Um which is the uh, video game or interactive version of your book. Mm-hmm. The book written by William Shakespeare and you. and I helped him out. And you, in quotations, <laughs> the audience. Um, 
I bring that up as a prompt for you to, to tell <laughs> us a little bit more about it. Uh, my first job interview I ever did, uh, it was for computer programming, and it was an hour and a half interview long. And I was supposed to be a shoo-in because my friend recommended me. They liked what I was doing. And I thought a job interview was they would ask you questions and you would confirm or deny the factual nature of those questions. So they'd say, like, do you know C++? And I'd say, yes, and just sit there. <laughs> I guess I haven't broken that habit because you're like, yeah, you did this game. I'm like, I sure did. Tell us more Proceed. about it, Ryan. <laughs> so To Be or Not To Be is the choose-your-own-path version of uh, William Shakespeare's Hamlet, where you can play as Hamlet or Ophelia or as Hamlet's dad, King Hamlet. But if you choose him, you die on the first page and have to investigate your own murder as a ghost. Oh. And now it's a game where you can save your place. There's narration, this amazing uh, audiobook narration that plays with each node. Um, there's achievements, which is kind of ridiculous and kind of amazing. Uh, it's really, really exciting and fun. And if you've ever read a book and wished it was a computer instead, <laughs> I've got the game for you. <laughs> I feel that way all of the time. I know, you're like, I'm reading, but I wish I was playing a computer game. This can happen now. <laughs> well, that's that's really cool. Um, it's it's such a, I mean, it's such a useful thing, because I've, I've gone through and read the book a couple of times with different endings. But I'm always Ophelia, is my thing, because I can't, mm -hmm. I always want to be a female protagonist. Well, I, um, I didn't mention the best part. Every ending has a picture by all these different amazing artists, including you, It's true. It's me. <laughs> I'm in there. Yeah, um, you don't have a feeling end. <laughs> no, I don't. So you've I've never seen your own art. I've never, I've never gotten my own ending. Um, I got close to it once by accident, but just like <laughs> I didn't. I was like, I know where this is going. <laughs> um, so do you? I ask this question as if I don't know the answer. Do you have you have plans to do anything else like that project? Yes. Thank you for these continued prompts. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very myself. okay I'm very at my useful. job. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great. They're great. Um, yes, I just finished a uh, first draft of the sequel book, which is called Romeo and or Juliet. Which is and amazing. I'm really excited for it. It's uh, even better than the first book. That's so egotistical, but I think it's, it's, it's better than the first book because it's a bigger, crazier, uh, more awesome. <laughs> now, are you planning to do the same illustration thing with the endings in this book? Yeah, for sure. Do you think that Erica Henderson will be in it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pressure's on, Ryan. No, this is she's. I haven't. I need to get the the text finalized first because oh, yeah. I haven't. Uh, no, I figure it's a bit away. I don't want to commission pictures that I then have to be like, I don't need this anymore. Sorry, I wasted your time. <laughs> I'm the worst. But yeah, you both wait a couple months and you'll be getting emails from me saying, "Hey." I'm very excited about it because I always I always liked Hamlet, but Romeo and Juliet is such like a a sad, horrible story. <laughs> Oh, it's but, I, when you but say Hamlet horrible story. Isn't a sad, horrible That's story. That's true, but Hamlet's Danish and my family's Danish, so I have this weird like love affair <laughs> with the book. <laughs> I, I love Hamlet. Even but... though more people die in Hamlet now that I think about it. Uh, there's a Romeo and Juliet version and or Juliet version where you can kill way more people than in Hamlet. Nice. So there'll be some dead people too. Something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Erica, other than Squirrel Girl, like, is this kind of a thing? Are you doing any other stuff or is this? I mean, I know how much work it is to do a monthly comic, so it's probably the the biggest consideration right now. But are you working on any other things? Um, I'm actually doing a book with Thrillbent right now. Um, mm -hmm. It's like a 24 chapter book. Um, I think it comes out. Oh, this month. Oh, sweet. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Tell me about it. I forgot. 
Um, they haven't said anything yet, so I'm not sure how much I can say beyond oh, okay. that it's written by Sean and McGuire, Hugo winner. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it'll be on thrillbent.com. Cool. I've also been working on a a book with Brian Clevenger that we've been kind of trying to get out there. We did a Kickstarter for it in December, which was a bad idea because no one's spending money on themselves in December. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but um, I think we're just going to do his webcomic later on. I'm not sure when later on is, but we have like at least 20 pages like all done in color and everything right now, so... Well, that's pretty cool. I just wonder, yep. I mean, the, the superhero, I have no idea how different it is than than uh, the comics cartoon to, like, that little market. So it sounds, must be crazy. It's so cool, though. You would write Squirrel Girl. <laughs> like, all the time I just think about how nut, nut, oh, God, no, how nuts it happens it is. all the time. You can't Damn avoid it. It's just, you got to roll with it. Does it just happen all the time now? It, it does. does. It, and you notice to say it all the time. I was talking to my friend Emily about this. Uh, Emily does the photos for Software World. Mm-hmm. And she told me about uh, a friend of hers who suffered uh, this mental illness all of a sudden. And she was being told the story and kept saying, oh, my God, that's so crazy. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's so unexpected. Yep. So, well, because yeah, as soon as you try not to do something is when you do it more, I think, yeah. in those situations. Not always, but frequently. Um, so I think that was the end of my, my, uh, prompting questions. I think people are just generally like squirrel girl is great. Uh, do you guys have in, in terms of like, um, you know, where you're going in this series, do you have pretty epic lofty goals? I mean, I know Erica, you, you want to have Dazzler in there. (laughs) I just want to get this. The loftiest of goals. The loftiest of goals to have Dazzler. Um, but how like grandiose is is the scale going to get here? Is she going to the moon? I mean, yeah, she's. I, mean, she I guess she's that's a spoiler. Just... She says she's going to the moon. Okay. I'm and sure. the guy who wrote it just said, "Yeah," when you asked her, she's going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to the moon. She's definitely going to the moon. Um, um, if I go like this. Second question: How adorable would her spacesuit be? It's pretty adorable. Is it really adorable? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, I bet uh, it's so adorable. I think I just wrote spacesuit in the script, but I knew that Erica would make it adorable spacesuit. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. Well, it, it was interesting because you wrote, you, I think you didn't put any details in there, but you specified that it should be like a prefab spacesuit. <laughs> <laughs> so well, she like, doesn't have time to make her own spacesuit. Right. She's glad just coming in like two hours, which is not a spoiler. Mm-mm. So she doesn't. Yeah, she has to like, grab a spacesuit from somewhere else. Right. right. So it's like how, how to like helmet. make. Yeah, you did specify bubble helmet. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out like how far I could go with this, <laughs> which basically just meant doing a fifties like pulp cover spacesuit. Well, it's it's almost to me like I mean one of my favorite things obviously about. Squirrel Girl and about that costume design is that she tucks her tail into her pants to have a giant butt, which I think is the greatest. <laughs> it just makes me so happy. What um, I thought about that was uh, one of the first preview pages released. <laughs> I remember reading comments, and you should never read the comments, but I was like, oh, what are people saying about Squirrel? I read the comments, 
And there was a page of her with her tail fighting. And the next page was her just walking down the street with her tail tucked into her pants. And the comments were like, oh, you know, I can't believe they forgot to draw her tail on this page. How embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) And then they released a page with words showing like she tucks her tail into her pants, the little mirror panel that Erica drew. Mm -hmm. And then the comments were like, at least they fixed that tail thing from the last. (laughs) Oh, my God. As if that wasn't like a pre-planned thing. Yeah, like we were like, oh, crap, we forgot the tail throughout the entire book. <laughs> Thank you, anonymous <laughs> internet commenter. You <laughs> saved us. Because <laughs> I, I love it. She mentioned the tail tucking to her pants thing. Well, I think it's great. I mean, it's so funny. And it's obviously so insane because that's an enormous tail. Like, I think her hair probably compresses. I don't know. I, don't, I had long true. hair for a while, but yeah. never tried squeezing it. Well, I figure when I, when I wash my ferrets... They get, like, to be a third of the size. They're, like, sad little skinny sticks. But when they're dry, they're just gigantic goofballs. So it, it makes sense to me. Now tell us about your ferrets, Erica. Uh, they're pretty stinky. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good story. <laughs> That's it? All right. I don't know. They're just, they're just my pets. They're my ferrets. They're, what are their names? They're Bruce. Bruce Valanche and Oreo. Very nice. Um... And their research material yeah. now. Uh, they Are they? Can, well, I mean, if you can use them to tell how small compressed hair gets. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we can get Beastmaster in there, I guess. <laughs> we'll just do the Beastmaster crossover story at some point. That'll be great. And I'll just write them off. <laughs> just write off all the food. That'll be great. Um, one person, this is uh, unrelated to Squirrel Girl, I'm jumping all over the map today because why not? I have you here. You can't go anywhere. Squirrely of you. Oh, (laughs) they don't all go in the comic, (laughs) but they will now. I mean, (laughs) I assume. Um, Ryan, you are uh, a part of because you do so many things in so many different capacities. Part of a book series endgame called Machine of Death. Are you not? Um, I am. Just describe that for us briefly. Machine of Death actually springs out of a dinosaur comic I wrote in 2007, I think. The premise is uh, there's a machine that takes a sample of your blood and then it spits out in neatly printed words on a tiny piece of paper the exact manner in which you will die. Right. It doesn't say when, it just says how. So you might get old age and you think, whoo, I'm set for life. But the machine has this old world sense of irony to it. So old age might mean you die you know, at 110, surrounded by your loved ones, or you might get run over by a octogenarian behind the wheel of a car two seconds later. Right. So you know how you're going to die, but you're still going to be surprised when it happens. Right. And so the comic was really just T-Rex describing this idea. And then uh, we had a forum at the time called Truth of Beauty Bombs that still exists. And wow. uh, we sort of had a let's put on a show sort of attitude. We're like, hey, let's, let's write some stories about this. We'll make a book. And then no one wanted to publish it. Mm-hmm. For years and years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then finally we said, fine, we'll pose it ourselves and put up on Amazon. And the day we launched it, uh, we became the number one best-selling book across the entire site, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And I remember uh, that Beck day. got mad at us, too. Remember Who, him, Glenn Beck? Glenn Beck uh, got mad at you? 
I remember yeah, that. I remember reading their, his reviews and being like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> well, it turns out that we just picked a random day of Tuesday. And it turns out Tuesdays are when publishers drop their new books. Yes. And so we launched against Len Beck's launch. And he was accustomed to debuting, debuting at number one. And he oh didn't God. because of us. So we said, <laughs> he called us out as part of a liberal culture of death, which was amazing. <laughs> and so we sent his show a copy of the book with a, his own death slip prediction inside that said paper cut. And we never heard back. <laughs> you did? Oh my god! <laughs> that's that's beautiful. That's so ballsy. I love it so much. <laughs> well, like, what is he gonna do? Talk about it and like give you more publicity? Yeah, like, which is exactly what he did. <laughs> like, thanks, National Radio. Wow. So he, oh, he complained about Machine of Death on the radio. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> He's like, look at this crazy book. I can't believe this new book out called Machine of Death. He's really doing us a favor. It was amazing. <laughs> That's kind of great. Yeah. That makes me really happy. Um, so you do that with, with David Malky? And Matt Bernardo, yeah. And Matt Bernardo. And there are two books? Yeah, there's a sequel called This Is How You Die. That is, uh, again, better than the first book. <laughs> the first book's great, but this is... We have a Choose Your Adventure-style story in the second book. There's Very nice. uh, like a, a hygiene manual kind of story. <laughs> it's just it's so much bigger and... It uh, goes in all these different directions than the first book. Um, someone on Twitter asked if you ever planned on doing a third one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done two books, and uh, we did the board game. Yes. And um, I feel like there will be more Machine of Death in the future, but the last time we did a book, uh, we had two <laughs> first, we had 2,000 stories. Whoa, wow. Sent to us. That's a lot of stories to read. That's a lot and of stories. And they came from every continent, I think, including Antarctica. I don't remember. Damn. There are a lot of stories. <laughs> and so we're sort of, if we do open submissions again, that's, you know, we have to block off a couple months. That's crazy. So I think there will be more machine death in the future. We're just not sure what form it's going to take yet. Well, that's exciting. But it's a fun, it's a fun premise and a fun book. I, I really love it. I think it's really fun, and I especially love um, – you guys have done this a couple of times at conventions where there's, like, a Machine of Death Pictionary-type game <laughs> where different cartoonists will pull uh, a word, which one of them, I believe, is squirrels, is it not? There may be squirrels in there. There's one in the deck, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then draw how you die or, like, what they, they interpret that to be. <laughs> that was uh, all David's idea, and it worked really well. His yeah. new one we've done uh, at a couple shows is uh, Urban Dictionary mm-hmm. definition game. <laughs> yep. Oh Urban Dictionary God. is this awful site of uh, people just making up slang. We're like, this is what Jimmy said. Jimmy's hilarious. So it's a lot of like really inaccurate slang. And a lot of it's really sex obsessed, which is hilarious. Super sex obsessed. Super it sex is... obsessed. Although it did come in handy. I'm going to tell the story. It's a great story. Yes. Um, when I was in college, a couple of the summers I worked at this fashion company and it was like you know sort of middle of the road middle-aged lady kind of fashions um you would find in like you know sort of maybe like lower end macy's you know like so not low end clothes but not high end either right um and so like all the designers are sort of like middle-aged and they have like families whatever and I was, I like, was a intern slash gopher. So like you could, if you signed as an intern, you like either get paid or credit and I wanted money. So I was like sort of, I was like right below the assistants. 
And one day, one of the designers, Michael, comes in with like this Lord and Taylor t-shirt. This is back when like companies like that were selling t-shirts way too much with like a bad slip print. Mm-hmm. Right. And it had a drawing of a guy in a sombrero and it said Dirty Sanchez. And I was oh, like, God. and I'm just sitting there in the room with all the assistants, like trying not to crack up. And they're like, what are you laughing at? I was like, did you see Michael's shirt? And none of them knew this term. So I had to like, in the middle of work, go to Urban Dictionary and explain to them what a Dirty Sanchez was. Oh, great. And then we had to figure out who was going to tell Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was was one of the better days at that job. I remember first coming around (laughs) to Urban Dictionary when I watched um, the, The Aristocrats. That, oh God. that movie where it's all the comedians telling like the world's dirtiest joke and which I don't think I could even watch now is so offensive <laughs> but there were so many terms used in it that I was like what does this mean and I got lost down a really disturbing rabbit hole but Dirty Sanchez was definitely on there yep Ugh. yep well this this game that we played is where you <laughs> you do two ways one is you take the name of it and you have to invent what the definition is and see who's closest to the truth and the other is you take the definition and try to say what it would be called. Mm-hmm. And we we invented this game while waiting for a seat at a restaurant and, uh, <laughs> with our phones. And I feel like we got a seat sooner than we would have otherwise because we were just saying the filthiest garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted to just get you out of the way? Yeah. We're like, this is this is called the, the slippy surprise. We'd all invent what the slippy surprise was. And knowing that the definition is going to be something unspeakably foul, we'd mm-hmm. have to try to hit that mark it's a it's a fun game to play with your trusted friends who don't have microphones on them well i yeah i was on that panel at emerald city last year uh and chip zadarsky less amazing less than live alum uh won because he actually guessed the correct definition for something really disgusting yeah i don't remember it entirely but i remember it was feces related and <laughs> He After won. That, he got two thousand points. The rest of us had like seven. <laughs> but he earned those points. He did earn those points. That was amazing. I felt so bad about being part of that game. <laughs> <laughs> we had a rule, right? No cameras for that panel. Oh, I'm sure someone has it recorded. Yeah, I'm I shouldn't sure even be some, bringing it up now. Like bootleg illegal yeah. convention stuff. God. Ugh. <laughs> I can understand why people decline to be part of that because it might ruin them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> here we are. Um, the we come we come now towards the denouement of the episode, um, which wherein I usually ask uh, what comics you guys are reading that you really like or would recommend. Ryan, if you want to go first. Yes, I would. I was trying to think, like, <laughs> what can I say that's not sex grims? Because we've spent all this this whole episode talking of Chip. Chip's all right. And he's had plenty. You know what I have been reading recently is uh, collected trades of the first Wonder Woman comics in chronological order. Oh, so wow. the original, like, she gets tied up all the time. Mm-hmm. They're spanking all the time. Mm-hmm. She has her sidekick, Etta Candy, who loves oh eating candy. She's the... Etta Candy's amazing. Yep. She is amazing. She used to be not like Candy, and then she was malnourished, and Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman gave her candy in the hospital, and now she loves candy. Oh. And her husband, or like her father, is hard candy. Oh, God. 
Like it's just, <laughs> it's amazing. These comics are super surreal. But there's this panel in one of them where uh, Hitler's in it because it's the 40s. Right. And Hitler, it says, gets really mad and he starts to eat his rug. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like, what is, what is this? And it shows him like eating the rug. Okay. And I was like, is this a thing? Like, what is this? I don't understand it. So I made a post about it and we looked into it. And it turns out uh, during World War II, there were these rumors, friend of a friend style rumors, where uh, Hitler would get really angry all the time and sit down and gnaw on the rug covering the room that he was in. Oh, my God. So it was this thing that Hitler would eat the rug when he got angry. Just, what? In that context, it kind of makes more sense. There's a Looney Tunes car- comic where, or cartoon where uh, Daffy Duck gets Hitler so mad that he runs along his rug like a lawnmower <laughs> eating the rug. <laughs> So what I'm saying is these comics are uh, very educational, mm-hmm. and I guess you asked for recommendation. I'm not sure if I'd recommend them. I would recommend them. If you see them, check them out. I also, feel, some of them I, are super racist. Yes. Oh, those I those like... ones in Super Superman's Girlfriend Lois Lane are my favorite older <laughs> comics because they are so offensive sometimes, but also, like, charming. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's like one guy's voice, and he's like, yes, this is what one woman is. And you get this very particular view of the character, which is fascinating. And you see the beginnings of stuff that comes later, but a lot of it's different and weird, and Hitler's there often. <laughs> He's eating rugs. <laughs> so I'm going to recommend I, uh, Hitler eating rug comics. Cool. I, I miss those. I'm just going to say, like, commenting on those, because, like, um, I feel like Wonder Woman right now, but I loved Azarello's run on it. That yeah. was really fun. Yeah, me too. But uh, for the most part, She's just sort of been, like, amorphous. Like, they don't know what to do with her. They don't know what she stands for. And I look at the old ones, and there's this, there's this one part in one of the early ones that I always go back to because I think it's, like, my favorite Wonder Woman. Where she's on Venus, and she's talking to, like, the winged ladies of Venus. And they're saying they need help because all their men have been kidnapped. And, um, but also... Like, they're in charge. One of them was asking, like, oh, how did you manage this? And they're like, well, we have wings and they don't. And so if they ever do anything we don't like, we can just fly away. And she was like, yeah, that's a great way to manage your men. And I was like, <laughs> yes, this is Wonder Woman. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that she does become this thing where people are like, well, she's Wonder Woman. But they don't really understand, like, what her personality is. I feel like like they're afraid to make her too feminist. Yeah, which doesn't really make any sense because that's kind of like her thing. (laughs) I don't know. I really, I mean, I really loved Azarella's run because they went so hard with the the Greek god stuff. Like they really stuck to a thing and they were like, okay, we're using Greek gods. Like we're going really into that and that's what this is going to be about. It's Wonder Woman and the Pantheon kind of thing. And like that was really cool. But I think also like, you know, she was very unapologetically in charge and they had like a main character who was like a single single pregnant woman who yeah. like you know no judgments there and then there's Hera who also like you do a complete 180 on and it was just that's like I feel like that was as close as we got to like a feminist Wonder Woman in yeah. like a very very long time yeah and I mean they did you know they did change her origin where she was 
like born of of man instead of clay which was weird but um they, they've been doing that for a long time though yeah yeah but i mean I, there were so many things that i loved about that comic i mean i love cliff chang's art I'm a huge yeah. fan, and I love that he drew her so strong, and I love that her costume made sense of that outfit. Like, the, I, I've talked about it before, but it's where, like, that metal plate on top of it, like, holds down the costume to her chest yeah. instead yeah. of being a weird shelf bra, which it's like, well, oh, cause, yeah. because you and I know how corsets work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we understand, and, like, that... that yeah. You know, it, it's almost like a clamp on the top of that outfit to keep everything in place. Yeah. Um, which was, I, I, I appreciated that so much. And it was so funny when other people would do other covers for that series and draw that costume <laughs> and she would have like enormous bubbling out cleavage. <laughs> I was like, you know, you don't understand how this works. <laughs> but I, I may not know how courses work. <laughs> but I know what I like. <laughs> but I loved it. And I also really loved that a lot of the time she wasn't colored as being white white you know i mean she out cliff chang generally when he did those like the covers in the interiors a lot of times she had darker skin like was greek made more sense but um yeah i got sidetracked i just really love the way he dressed wonder woman (laughs) i I agree i love it too it's so good um so erica other than that what uh what would you recommend anything involving hitler (laughs) because since Uh, we got on that topic anything involving hitler.tumblr.com oh god I don't know I'm that sorry. I've read anything Hitler related right now. Let's, um, let's just get off this. <laughs> I've, I feel like a lot of things that I really like are ending. Because, like, I was really into She-Hulk, mm-hmm. really into Hawkeye. Uh, still good to recommend the, them, though. I mean, there's trades out that people can read. It's true. The books still exist. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You missed your chance. Oh, no. <laughs> it's over forever. Um, okay, then I'm going to recommend something that's been out for a while, but... You can still get that just no one ever talks about it it's this thing called castle waiting oh yeah that book's beautiful i know i love Oops. it and it's it's all just like about storytelling and i feel like the first volume you wind up getting like a story within a story within a story within a story and i'm like i don't even care i'm just so into this <laughs> that's it's pretty awesome yeah those are they have like a pretty dedicated fan base those comics yeah and there's it's linda medley i just looked it up Yes. There you go. Yeah, there's two volumes of that out, and it's been coming out very slowly over a very long period of time. So <laughs> I don't know when volume three is going to be out, but... Well, there you go. Um, so, guys, what's what's up next for Squirrel Girl? Give me a brief synopsis. She's going to the moon. She's going to the moon. Without, I mean, without uh, spoiling anything. But she's going to fight tease. Galactus. Mm-hmm. And, and, and who knows who will win? <laughs> <laughs> she might die in the first panel. It's true. It's it's an ironic title. <laughs> <laughs> There's little tiny quotes around unbeatable. If you look very close, the easily beatable squirrel girl. <laughs> they're in this really light yellow. It's really hard to read, but they're there. <laughs> um. So other than the moon, anything else? Other than the moon, uh, the next issue is a standalone. Oh. That is fun and exciting. And then there's another arc with a new villain Ooh. that there, I don't want to spoil. But I was going to say, there are a lot of times in the middle of the night, either I'll 
be reading about something or my boyfriend will show me something and I'll just like email Ryan in the middle of the night and be like, Ryan, look at this thing that's vaguely related to squirrels or animals in the Marvel Universe. Uh, it's the greatest. <laughs> that's pretty awesome, though. I mean, there's so, I don't know, like both we've all worked in comics in different ways and having those awesome collaborative relationships is kind of the best thing where you can do that. You know, I've had projects where it's like hand in the script and then the person draws it and we don't talk to each other, but that's really great. It always feels so weird, eh? I hate it. I hate it. It's so (laughs) weird. (laughs) Like Ian and I on Bravest Warriors, we talk like every couple days and same thing with Scissorhands. It's like, you know, it's nice. It's nice to have that. And I'm glad that you guys do. I'm glad that you became friends through Squirrel Girl. That's the (laughs) cutest thing possible. (laughs) All we needed was a squirrel girl. <laughs> well, but she was within us all along. She That's was always there. Okay. She was always there. I feel like we need to start making new club buttons or patches. I want one. <laughs> I would wear one. I really liked the clubs in that issue. I remember like just knowing Ryan when I got to the thing. They were like, "Oh, we're, let's go sign up for clubs." I was like, "This is gonna be good." <laughs> this is gonna there be full so of background many clubs panel gigs. that aren't in there. Like, oh, I bet Brian just made like the longest list of clubs. Yeah, I, I had to spend a couple hours making clubs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I believe it. I one hundred percent believe it. Um, Ryan, if people want to find more things from you on the internet, I don't think that's very difficult, is it? I uh, know you can uh, type in exotica.ca it brings you to dinosaur comics does it really <laughs> it does um <laughs> since we're getting a little blue i believe hot for the cock.com also points <laughs> to dinosaur comics right now <laughs> oh my god i moved that one around i sometimes used to point to picture of joey for a while i just just dot, it oh my god it does i just did it <laughs> <laughs> that's so amazing I that go there too. ryan have you ever been to funholly.com fun holly no no should I do it while we're on the air? You should probably do it right now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's Holly Rowland's LinkedIn account. Uh, I get a picture of a cat. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but when... <laughs> anyway, I changed it for a while. Like, all in the meta tags is like Holly Rowland. For a while, when you looked her up, this would show up as oh, like her amazing. LinkedIn account. Um, Domain names, right? It's great. Yeah, they're great. Uh, so poo.ca, hotforthecock.com, exotica.ca, uh, US. also point there. <laughs> uh, that's Dancer Comics, and also uh, you can, I guess, my Wikipedia page link. I, don't, I haven't read my Wikipedia page for a while. Hopefully it's not full of, like, allegations and lies, but that links to a bunch of stuff I do. And if somebody wants to find you on Twitter, you are at RyanQNorth? Yes, Twitter is the best. I love it. Let's have fun on Twitter. At RyanQNorth. Mm-hmm. Fun times. As long as you tweet him before 10 p.m. Eastern time, because Ryan goes to bed early. Yeah, but I get up early. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. You get up hours before I do. It's amazing. Um, When do you go to bed? When when do I go to bed? About four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) We got to settle this before we go. I go to bed about four in the morning. When I go to bed. Well, my boyfriend's in my boyfriend's in Los Angeles, so we stay up and talk, and then it's always four a.m. because it's midnight for him. And since I work freelance and he has a day job, this is what we do. And now I live on L.A. time. So it's great when I go to Los Angeles because I wake up at like 730 in the morning. I feel fresh as a daisy. Like your friend Ryan. Like my friend Ryan. (laughs) My dear friend Ryan North. Um, Erica, where can we find you on Los Internets? Uh, I post most of my stuff to my Tumblr, ericafailsatlife.tumblr.com. And I'm on Twitter at ericafails. That's that's such a... 
I always, every time I have to look for the name, I feel bad typing it in. <laughs> so I'm just like, but you don't. Dude. You're doing very well. Well, I am now. It's very exciting. <laughs> Squirrel Girl's the best. Um, everybody should pick up The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Two issues are out now. Ryan and Erica, you do a million things, and you're extremely wonderful. Thank you both for being on this bizarre thing that is my podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having us on your radio show. <laughs> it's live. <laughs> Next week. Uh-oh. <laughs> Seems a little less than live to me. Oh, and with that, <laughs> I bid you both good day. I ruined everything. <laughs> and I hung up on them. And that's how it ended. I know that you want to the pages inside my heart. Well, that's our show. Uh, we'll be back very soon with new guests and new comics if, oh my God, I ever get some time to catch up and sleep. In the meantime, you know it. Rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like the show and want to make sure we stay warm for the long, cold, dark of winter, consider donating on villagesoundcast.com or through our Patreon at patreon.com slash less than live. You get extras and I'll talk to you. I, I, I usually do. I, I check it pretty often. If you've got any questions or want more, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter at LTLcast, and you can get show notes after every episode at lessthanlifecast.tumblr.com. That's if I mentioned comics too fast and you would rather Google them much more easily by copying and copying and pasting. Thanks again to everyone who submitted to our first contest. It definitely won't be our last. It was awesome. It was so weird. Some of you are, are super weird, but um, really nice. And, and thanks for listening to our show. Remember, if you don't have a Valentine, you'll always have this podcast. And it'll never do you wrong. Eat some discount chocolate. I'll miss you. Did you know I've been staring at you this whole time? This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. And a very special interview with the creative team behind the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Ugh, squirrel Girl's really hard to say. <laughs> Shit. I'll start again. Sorry. Squirrel Girl.